Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hi, friends. Welcome to Soul Talks. We're so grateful to have you joining us today. So we're talking about how to increase your emotional smarts in this series, and this relates to your relationships at home, with your friends, at work, and in the church. And it is so important for those of you that are in ministry, whether you're professional ministers as pastors or in some other form of service, caregiving, helping, teaching, when we are um, increasing our self-awareness and our, with that, our whole emotional IQ, it is hugely helpful to whatever work we're doing and to whatever relationship we're in. Self-awareness is the S in our smart intelligence here. And so self-awareness is something that actually has been important for me in learning to become a wounded healer because as I become aware of my my emotions and my needs and even my areas of woundedness, then I'm able to seek God's healing touch there. And then out of that, I'm able to offer that back to him. I'm able to bring healing to other people, be his agent of healing to other people because I've walked that journey of healing myself. Coming out of the denial and opening up to the awareness opens us up to God's healing touch and grace and work in our lives. We, we all have defense mechanisms for denying our pain and our stress, and that's, that's natural, and it's even a, a God-given capacity. You go through a, a, a car accident, uh, your body goes into shock, and that's how the, the blow is cushioned, and the, the trauma is minimized on your body and your mind and heart and soul. And yet, when we are relying on denying our pain and our stress— and we're habitually doing that, unconsciously doing that, it's a big problem. And it's going to limit us in, in many ways. And this is something that we teach in our Soul Shepherding Institute and our Certificate for Spiritual Direction that is a track within our institute. If you are interested in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction, the Soul Shepherding style of that is to pay uh, a lot of attention to the subject we're talking about with uh, emotional smarts. So the the problem is that when we are repressing or denying our our emotions we're devaluing them and so we're we're shoving them down into our unconscious which is actually in our body and what that does when we when we disconnect from our emotions our needs it disengages us from god and from others we we can't shut down our emotions and be uh, engaged uh, in a lively, connective way in other relationships. And the other thing that happens when we shut down our emotions and our needs is it drains our energy because it actually takes a lot of energy to be continually repressing emotions. And it's something that most people don't realize because it's going on in the background in the unconscious. But if you're if you keep telling yourself, you know, you're too sensitive, just be rational, snap out of it, you know, be strong, uh, put on a good face, and you're, you're always telling yourself that kind of a thing, you're, you're like these hands in your soul are like push, pushing down on the, the needs and the feelings that are coming up, and that's taking energy. It's like trying to hold the beach ball under the water. 
for a long time. You can do it at first pretty easily, but it gets it gets so that it takes more and more energy the longer you're trying to hold it down and keep it under the surface and keep it from popping up. This is a major reason why some of us lack energy in our life and our work and our relationships is because we're habitually for years and years re- repressing our emotional nature. I've actually come to understand when I'm feeling really tired to use that as a signal to say, oh, well, what might I be emotionally feeling that I'm not aware of, that I've been unconsciously mm-hmm. repressing or avoiding? And then, you know, usually sure enough, I'll find out that there are some things. And after I share them, I, I find somebody safe that I trust, and I ask them if they could listen to me to process that emotion. Afterwards, I, I just feel so much more energy. That's feel a- so much better, so much relief. It's the same for me. I went through childhood and young adulthood repressing my emotions or reacting to them, which is the opposite. You know, I would take my emotions out into the, the football field or the basketball court and uh, be reactive and at times explosive with, with anger. Uh, and it wasn't until I began meeting with a counselor in college that I learned the language of emotions and I, I learned that what I felt mattered and somebody cared, and that when I talked about my life and my situations with someone who was really listening and putting words to what I felt, and that this felt, uh, I was experiencing what we call catharsis, uh, the emotional relief, uh, the release of what's been bottled up inside of me and stressing me and draining my energy and discouraging me, and to express those things to someone who cares for me and is, is warm towards me. And then I'm, now I'm taking in comfort through my counselor's empathy, through my friends listening and caring. And that's giving me energy and uh, bringing a smile to my soul. And so it wasn't until I, I learned that, and it took some, some, quite a bit of retraining and reforming in, in my soul to learn how to... Uh, receive that empathy and uh, and that care and how then to discover it gave me increasing amounts of energy you know we've learned in our society the importance of drinking a lot of water you know the human being is made up mostly of water in our bodies and when we drink plenty of water that gives us energy well as, as far as the soul is concerned this is probably the number one thing we can do for energy is is seek the the divine empathy of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the scriptures are, are full of this message once you understand it, and then God ministers the divine empathy to us through people. I remember how helpful this was early in our marriage, and the surprise that here, I thought I was loving you by trying to protect you from my emotions, and I would try to deny my emotions and not talk about them and not have them and repress them and repress them and repress them, and then all of a sudden, they would just come out in this big emotional eruption and poor you you know you're just stunned but I remember being so surprised when you would say to me well you know when did you first feel this way well I wish that you would ask me for what you need when you felt that way and I'd much rather you come to me and tell me what you feel and ask me for what you need than that you deny and deny and deny and then all of a sudden it comes out in this huge you know message messy painful way um and 
I, you know, how many times I had to hear you say that before I trusted. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He really would rather I not deny my emotion, but that I actually become self-aware of what it is that I'm wanting and feeling. And then I take responsibility for that. And then I a- nicely ask you for what I want instead of deny it and repress it and ignore it. And then all of a sudden erupt with all this anger at you because I felt so neglected and unloved for so long. Yeah, one of the ways that you exploded occasionally was with anger. More commonly, it was tears, or uh, some people explode with a uh, anxiety attack. And so there's uh, different ways that emotion erupts in, mm-hmm. in a volcanic-like way. And it very much is because of this repression action that, that we're doing. And so, yeah, it's so good when we, we learn to grow in self-awareness, as you're illustrating, Christy, and the other part of what you're illustrating that's so important, and we shared this in the last podcast as well, but it's self-awareness is not a self-help project. This is not like, oh, you could just read a book or just kind of think about it and identify what you feel, and okay, now you're self-aware. Uh, reading a book and thinking about your feelings are helpful aspects, but essentially it comes through talking with someone who is curious and attentive to you. Or, or praying to God and uh, receiving God's attunement and grace for us. Yeah, I think back to those early years and when I would come to you at the, that eruption of emotion where it just got finally too much for me, usually what would happen then is I would be talking about you. You did this and you do that and you make me feel this and you, you know, and I, even that I wasn't still aware of what it was that I was feeling and what I was needing. And so there was some waking up to take responsibility with, okay, well, no, this isn't about making you all bad, but this is about me discovering what is it that I'm really feeling? What is it that I'm really wanting? And having to become aware of that, do the work of becoming aware of that so that then I could ask you for that rather than expecting you to know it. What I didn't even know was denying. That's so good, Christy. I wasn't even aware of. You're differentiating between emotions and perceptions. And so when we use the word feeling, we might mean either of those. We, we, when we say, well, I feel, we might mean this is my emotional experience, or we might mean this is what I perceive you're, you're doing or what you're, you're wanting. And it's very different in our communication in any relationship. It's very different if we mean, well, this is my experience. This is what it's like to be me. Or if we mean, well, this is how I perceive you. Because if if someone says to you, well, I feel that you're doing such and such, or I feel that you want such and such, it's uh, it can be crazy making when somebody does that to us because they're they're telling us what what our motives are, they're telling us what we've been doing, and it's like, but that's not what my motive was. That's that's not how I see what I'm doing. And we all want to be, and, and, and God gives us the right to be the authority of our, our own personality, our own life, our own experience. So I get to say, this is why I did what I did. This is, this is what I'm about. Yeah, and I remember you would say, no, I wasn't feeling that. And I would be shocked that you weren't feeling that. And that's where sometimes we do have to be careful. Uh, self-awareness can be a really helpful tool for empathy, because we might look at somebody else and say, oh, I think I might know what they're feeling because I feel that or I felt that. But we can't presume to always know. We have to check it out. And so our, our own self-awareness can help us to be in, in a way where we can love others better by maybe being more perceptive 
of what they might be feeling and more compassionate, but not projecting that onto them and by owning that this is my feeling. Not well, yours. this is an example of why self-awareness is the building block of empathy for others. So until we differentiate between our perceptions of other people and our own emotions, we're not going to be able to accurately understand or care for what other people feel and need. And so when we're having an emotional reaction or in a position of tension with someone that we work with or someone in our home, it's very important that we begin by sorting through our own experience, our own emotions, our own needs. And uh, if the person is, is safe to, to talk with, then you, then you say to them, well, you know, can you listen to me? I need to process. I'm feeling some stress here. And then you, you tell the person, this is what it's like to be me. This is what I'm experiencing. These are, these are my emotions. And, and you stay out of all those perceptions of the other person. You need to uh, switch from all the things you're perceiving about the other person into, well, this is what it's like to be me. And you keep inviting the other person to understand you. Because if, if you, when you communicate to someone that you're in, in tension with or conflict with, if you express yourself with you statements instead of these I statements, if you are, communicate with a pointing finger rather than an invitation for the other person to understand you, it's going to put a lot of, uh, it's going to increase the, the, the tension and the conflict. Yeah, that's so important. It evokes defensiveness in the other person. Mm-hmm. And as you take time to really grow in your own self-awareness, of your own emotions, it, it helps you to do that, to take responsibility for what it is that you, you feel and to own that. But then it also helps you to have empathy and compassion for other people who are experiencing things that you've experienced. So I'm thinking, Bill, of a leadership meeting that we went to with some leaders of a ministry. And I was thinking about how one of the leaders, when they showed up, just had a lot of emotion for how he had felt rejected. And I was, and when he brought that to the table, you know, it, it, we could have just shut it down because we had important leadership things to do at that table. But I'm so thankful for how we have grown in this area because it actually enabled us to love each other better. And I had had some thoughts about him before this meeting about thinking about what it might like for, be for him to be in the role he's in and thinking about what I might feel if I was in that role. And that really helped me that day when he shared, he led, he took courage to lead with how he'd been feeling because it helped me to stop and to empathize with him mm-hmm. because I'd already done the pre-work of thinking about how I would feel if I was in his position at this, at this table. And I think if I hadn't grown in self-awareness and I hadn't grown in my ability to empathize with other people as a result of that, I probably would have been very defensive when mm-hmm. he shared how he felt. And I probably would have just gone straight to defending what what we did and why we did it the way we did. And that um, in, in imp- the implication would have been, well, you shouldn't feel rejected. Right. Because I would have been defending all the reasons why, you know, he wasn't rejected. And I was so thankful for the way the Lord has grown us in this area of emotional intelligence and self-awareness because then we were able to have true empathy for him. And instead of shaming him for feeling rejected, we were able to to really apologize to him for our participation and to own and you know out of our own self-awareness for ways that we we contributed not meaning to by any means play into any rejection. 
And then after that, we were, we were able to invite him into our own self-awareness of why we did things the way we did. Yeah, I mean, just imagine if in our churches, to take an example here, if in our, at our leadership table, in our elder uh, room, if we would learn to communicate with uh, emotionally smart leadership, it would make uh, such a difference. It would so uh, diminish the, the conflicts that happen, the church splits that happen. Uh, it, it just w- would be uh, incredible if we could learn to uh, take ownership of our emotions and uh, to uh, express what we feel and to listen to each other with, with tenderness and with acceptance because it's, it's more important than whatever the agenda is. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that needs to be accomplished, whatever it needs to be decided, the relationships in the room are more important because it's the relationships in the room, um, including with God, that facilitate the, the, the wisdom and the, the energy and collaboration around the decisions that we need to make. Yeah, and you know, Paul models this in Scripture. Look at the time he gives at the beginning and ending of his letters to relationships. And, you mm-hmm. know, this is... This is in scripture. We can read those and kind of skip over them right now because we don't know the people. And we're kind of like, well, who is this omniscient? Or I can't, you know, I don't say his name right. But, you know, these people we don't know and we don't know the context. But Paul is really valuing them. I mean, there aren't that many words he writes. And look how much of the time is given to how he values and affirms the relationships. Yeah, he's writing letters to people that he has he has met and visited with and counseled and shared with and listened to and shared his heart with and prayed with, and he's spent time with these people. And so there are letters of discipleship and teaching that are coming out of relationships of warmth and acceptance and empathy. Yeah. And love is trumping the, the work because uh, in a sense, love is the work. That's right. That's <laughs> the right. greatest commandment is to love love God and love our, our neighbor. And uh, so the process of how we do our work together uh, is the same in the home as for parents, uh, co-parenting, uh, you know, how we do that together. And so Family Therapy 101, we teach that the, the building block of the family is the marriage. And, uh, of course, this makes single-parent homes uh, especially difficult because you don't have this dynamic. And so a special grace is needed there and special assistance and other supportive relationships because we, we, when we're parenting, we need, we need a second opinion. We need, uh, we need support. We, we need encouragement and prayer. We need empathy. And so when we can do it together, we're going to be so much more effective in parenting or in grandparenting. And so that the together is this quality of a relationship and the, the best, most effective relationships are going to be emotionally smart. And it's going to include this dynamic of self-awareness that uh, my emotions and needs matter and so do yours. And so if we get crosswise there, let's, let's push pause on whatever decision we're trying to make or whatever activity or work we're trying to do and let's, let's get ourselves back in tune with each other and with the Lord. And another thing that is so important about self-awareness in our leadership that makes us smart leaders is if we are emotionally aware, that's key in avoiding burnout. If I'm not emotionally aware, I'm not, I don't set good boundaries and I, I burn myself out. So self-awareness helps us to be sustainable in our work 
with God. Because our needs matter. And the, the most important thing you can do if you're a pastor or a ministry leader caring for other people uh, or as a parent, the most important thing you can do is care for your own soul under God. Because in, in your ministry, in your caring, the instrument is you. And when you are, are well-graced in the kingdom of God, it's going to go better for you in your work, in your ministry. Yeah, so I've learned that I need to ask myself the question, do I have this to give? And check in with myself and become aware because I find if I don't do that, then I start resenting what I'm giving. And that's not good because then I'm not, I'm not in Jesus' easy yoke and I'm not truly operating in his love. Yeah, and so it's hard to sometimes say no to the people we care for, people that we lead and serve, in order to get enough sleep, in order to uh, do something that we enjoy, in order to uh, get with uh, a friend or support person who's going to really listen to us and pray for us and pour into us. But if we don't put priority on our own soul, it's all, it's all going to collapse. And so, so we say the most loving thing that you can do for the people that you care for is uh, take care of yourself. Uh, go to the Lord, go to people that you trust, and re- receive that empathy, that grace, that encouragement that you need so that you can be strong in your ministry. And that's how we prevent burnout. And that's how we can close down that sanctification gap that we're so prone to as Christian leaders who are studying God's Word, and we've, we've been walking with the Lord for some years, and we're, we're learning many things about God and our relationship with God, about discipleship, and uh, many important things. And so f- to live up to what we know, to apply w- what we've learned, is a big challenge, and it requires setting aside some time and some space not only for our personal devotion, certainly that, but also for relationships that fuel us, that where we feel cared for, where if there's some, some hurt and brokenness coming up, where we can receive healing and, and nourishment so that we can stay strong uh, in our witness for Jesus. And it can help to have somebody who is helping us grow in self-awareness. You know, So I'm thinking of a conversation we had last week. And you asked me, now, why did you do that? Or why did you say that in a leadership meeting that we were together? And that was an invitation for me to become more self-aware because what I did in my answer to my question to you was that, well, because I wanted to please that person. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a good conversation because it helped me to get more aware and realize actually the most loving thing for myself and that person and the people we minister in our ministry at large wasn't for me to please that person. It was for me to be honest that I had a need that I was denying mm-hmm. and to ask for what I needed. And so I'm still growing in self-awareness. And that was a case where you were helping me to do that because you saw that I wasn't self-aware and at that time with what I did. Well, I appreciate your courage in sharing that example, Christy, because it illustrates that self-awareness normally comes not just through self-reflection, but through a relationship with someone who sees us and sees into our heart and soul and can say, well, you know, what were you feeling there? Or it seemed like you, you were stressed there. Tell me more about that. And so that's self-awareness is really a, a relational, uh, it's relationally experienced. So, uh, Lord, we just thank you for your empathy for us, for your great 
grace, your compassion, your mercies that are new every morning, uh, including for our, not only for our sins that you forgive, but also for our weaknesses and struggles, our emotions. You embrace us there as people and as leaders. And we ask, God, that you would use this podcast series on increasing emotional smarts to encourage all of us uh, in our lives and in our leadership, in all of our relationships, places where we serve you at home, at work, and in church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've created a resource called Emotional Intelligence, Five Steps with Jesus to Better Living and Leading. So that's an ebook that you can you can download right now, and uh, it's going to go into more depth on these five aspects of emotional intelligence. And look very closely at Jesus' life and uh, how he shows us in different stories in the Gospels. He shows us emotional intelligence. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at soulshepherding.org.